first Fluent in Wellbeing podcast. I'm Sarah, the founder and creator of Opera May London. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the inner critic, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Lindsay Marie. Not only is she an ambassador for Opera May of London, but she is also a perspective and self-care coach and actress based in New York. So hi, Lindsay, and welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Perfect. Um, I know this is a topic that you've spoken about before and it's something that most of us probably can relate to, but for us who maybe are not really sure or um, never really heard of the term before, can you just give us a little bit of a definition of what the inner critic is? Absolutely. That's such a good question. Um, I mean, our inner critic is so different for everyone, so it's a little bit hard to define, but I think the best way to kind of put it is that your inner critic is that voice in your head that comes up in times of uncertainty or fear. Um, a lot of times it presents itself as the little voice that's saying, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or right. the voice that's kind of saying, I'll, I'll never be able to do that. Or this always happens to me. Kind of those um, really large blanket statements that make us feel... Um, I think make us feel a little bit stressed, right? I think it's that voice Mm. inside of us that is um, looking at the parts of ourselves that we're worried that other people will see. So it's actually our voice that is there to protect us, to keep us safe and try to keep us on track and doing the best job possible. But if we don't learn how to identify that voice and calm it down, it can actually turn into this kind of negative force inside of our head that can influence our creations and what we're doing. So um, I think, you know, obviously throughout this conversation, we can define it a little bit better. But um, I really think that, yeah, it's just it's that voice in your head that um, is kind of um, sort of takes over a little bit sometimes and and just comes to the forefront of your whatever it is you're doing or what you're thinking about. and I think, I don't, I don't know about you, but do you think that the current pandemic as well and some of the stresses that have come around that have sort of amplified that voice um, for some people? Absolutely, yes. I mean, I just think all of our lives have changed so much and have really forced many of us to stay home from work, stay home from many of our activities. So we're really just sitting with ourselves and our thoughts. And so I think a lot of people during this time um, – you know, obviously levels of anxiety are heightened, Mm. levels of depression. And I think that's because a lot of us are hearing this inner critic so loudly, maybe even for the first time, and kind of wrestling with this voice in our head that's critiquing everything that we do. And um, that can be really difficult for people who haven't kind of done that inner work or haven't identified their inner critic Mm. before and seen the pattern of how it shows up for them so I absolutely think that the pandemic has had an effect on our inner critics and I think it's um I think it's really becoming present for a lot of people and we're all becoming aware of it which is actually a great thing because once we become aware of it you know we can can um, manage it and yeah we can manage it exactly and sort of find some answers and yeah so I think yeah so maybe it could be that how if somebody's sort of experiencing this for the first time um sort of questioning themselves questioning their own what 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 those thoughts are how can somebody identify what 
the inner critic is. I appreciate that it can be difficult at times for somebody to take note, but how, what are sort of the identifiers? Yeah, great question. Um, I think for many people, the identifier is really, um, you know, let's use an example. If it's work for people that are working from home, you have a project to do, you sit down in front of your computer, you get ready to do it. And even though you felt, you know, fairly prepared, you're on task and you know what you're doing, you sit down and this voice comes in that's kind of that self-doubt that's saying, are you sure you're really ready? Do you have all the information you need? What if I forgot something? Um, you know, is this perfect enough? I think even though you know what you're doing and you're prepared, it's that, um, you know, really critical voice that comes in mm -hmm. and kind of disempowers you. So it can um, be quite negative at times. I think so. Yeah. And I think this also shows up for people too. You know, like I know um, a lot of us have been struggling with body image being at home, not being able to go to the gym, not being able to live as active as a lifestyle. People are sitting at home, you know, with their with their mirror in the same room as them looking at themselves and thinking, wow, my body is changing. And so that inner critic can show up when it's saying, you know, like, am I doing enough? Um, you know, I should do more maybe to change myself either internally or externally. And um, instead of kind of connecting with that voice that's saying, hey, it's okay, like your whole life has changed. You're not being as active. You can't go to the gym anymore. We're all being encouraged to stay home. And so I think that's another way that that inner critic shows up for people isn't just that voice critiquing your work, but also critiquing yourself Who you are yeah exactly. so it's yeah so it's just not it's not even the rational voice it's you know sort of if you listen to the rational voice it could be that they're sort of the answers to the questions that your your inner critique is asking but you're unable to rationalize things um a little bit so yeah so what do they that I, I can appreciate that they're probably in all of us um but what sort of the recognizable traits are, are there physical traits are there mental traits that people can identify with when they when the, the, these instances come up? Yeah, I think so. Um, for some people, especially um, people that suffer from anxiety or depression or any form of disordered sort of thinking, and I personally actually suffer from anxiety and PTSD, so this is something that I experience, my inner critic does manifest very physically for me. So at first, kind of before I did this inner critic work, I would start feeling the stress in my body. So for me, it would show up sometimes as a tightness in my chest. Or I know for some of my clients that have expressed this, they'll start getting headaches randomly or their hands will be shaking or they just have this physical sensation of restlessness, mm -hmm. um, of nerves. And they might say, you know, I hear all the time, I don't know where this is coming from. I can feel this in my body, but I don't know when it started. I don't feel upset, but yet this is manifesting in my body. And that's a lot of times when our inner critic has actually showed up, but we weren't consciously aware of it. So we're not really studying our thoughts, but we can feel it in our body. So I think that that's really common for a lot of people. But for those of us, um, you know, that maybe it doesn't show up physically, but the voice in our head is really loud. I think oh. it shows up really as a pattern. Our inner critic loves to tell us the same narratives over and over and over, the same kind of disempowering thoughts or limiting beliefs um, that usually show up as a critique. So um, a, a really 
you know, poignant way that I like to explain it because I think it's something everyone can relate to is, you know, when you're in school and you're a kid. Oh, we're going back to school now. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you're sitting in a classroom and um, a teacher asks you a question. And as a, as a kid, you have no inhibition. So you raise your hand, you're excited to answer, and you confidently give this answer that is incorrect. And whether the teacher points out that it's incorrect or kids around you are snickering, you might feel this feeling of embarrassment, of shame, of, oh, no, I got it wrong. And then you formulate, you know, your brain remembers that emotion. Yeah, and that could follow you. Exactly. It's like, I don't want to go through that again. So the next time the teacher raises their hand, you might not want to answer because your inner critic chimes in and says, do you really know the answer to this? What if you don't? Maybe we shouldn't answer. And just like you said, that can follow us into adulthood. So recognizing the pattern of our inner critic and what it sounds like to us, a lot of times you might notice that you know, how does your inner critic sound? Is it, does it sound like you or does it sound like maybe a teacher or a peer or something your parents said to you once or a family member or a friend, something that made you feel um, kind of that embarrassment, that shame, sadness, anger, any of those kind of shadow feelings, um, our inner critic comes up to protect us from those, to keep us on track. And so our inner critic is not inherently negative or, or bad necessarily once we know how to manage it and once we can recognize it. We can actually kind of shift our perspective around that negative inner critic and change it into a positive, something that can really motivate us and something that we can say, you know, thank you so much inner critic for showing up for me. Thank you for trying to protect me. But I'm just at home in front of my computer. There's no one around me that's going to point out my flaws. I don't need you to um, show up so strong. I'm safe. I'm capable. And I got this. Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting that you say that. Um, because I think for me, definitely my inner critic and, and what, what I, I call her her, what she sounds like <laughs> is that she is definitely a perfectionist and she definitely showed up in the early stages of me defining my 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 brand and my business um opame uh, i would second guess everything and i i know she wanted me to be perfect and she really slowed me down um so i think comp- i would revise plans change plans change ideas and i would find that I, wouldn't, I wasn't actually achieving anything i wasn't getting anything done um so i had to almost take her out of my brain um on paper so I would write down some of the things she would say um and although I would write them down I would sort of phrase them as a question I'd make two piles and there's a reason that we don't do a video podcast because my desk is a mess and it's full of piles of questions that pop into my brain and um one pile I call a useful pile and it's a list of questions to ask myself and to sort of check myself um, and then there's another list of questions that I've, I've brain dumped and I've just thrown away and I just don't think they're useful right now. Um, but if my inner critic is trying to protect me, um, that you, as you interestingly said, Lindsay, they might be something I might look at at a later date and I might see whether or not there's any rationale in some of the things that, that she had brought up to me or said at that time. Wow. I love that idea. That is such a powerful way to kind of separate your thoughts. And that's something that I talk about a lot is your inner critic versus your intuition. So Mm. it's like if your inner critic is that is all the questions, you know, and my inner critic shows up for me that way as well. Um, But the intuition is kind of that quiet knowing it's the answer to your question where if you say, 
do I really know what I'm doing? The answer is like, it's okay if you don't get it perfect. It's okay if you don't have all the answers. It's okay to try anyway, to learn. Um, so that's kind of our intuition. And I love how you put those in those two piles. And I wanted to ask you, is that something that you developed on your own, that, that skill and that habit? Or where did you kind of learn about being able to separate those questions out? Where did that come from for you? Sure. Um, I think for me, I, w- I had a lot of procrastination uh, at the start of my business. So I wanted to develop a process that it might not work for everybody. It definitely works for me. Um, to de- develop a process that I could quite easily use straight away and tackle. So I've I've gone on to study, as you know, um, further education in life coaching and life skills. So I was just looking at methods and techniques that I could use very much on the fly, and it needed to be quick because my business couldn't really wait for me to to redesign and redesign and redesign again. Um, right. So we, so me and my little perfectionist, we just had to sort of tackle it together. Wow, that's so powerful. I I love that, and that's something I'm gonna take with me too. That's actually I do that in a different way. My inner mm-hmm. critic for me shows up when things are going really well and tries to sabotage it. Yeah, it's crazy and so annoying. Um, But when things are going really well, my inner critic shows up and is thinking, what's coming next? What's coming Mm. next? Like if things are going really well, that means something must be, you know, right around the corner that's going to ruin it. So it's kind of this voice that's like, you have to protect what you have and nothing worth having comes easy. So if it's too easy, it's questioning that it's questioning the ease and the flow. And that used to show up for me a lot more. So for me, I, you know, my desk actually looks the same way. I have post-it notes everywhere. I have notes everywhere. We we might have to do a little selfie after this just to showcase. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think that's just part of the creative brain. But for me, I think writing down those thoughts is so helpful because when I have those, you know, my inner critic shows up and kind of critiquing what's going well for me, when I write it down, I see how ridiculous it actually Mm. is in a very, you know, gentle way where I can have a sense of humor about it. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, it's just like looking and saying, wow, you know, that's so funny that I'm, you know, trying to self-sabotage and that my inner critic is trying to take away my ease, my flow, my joy. And um, I see that and it's because I care so much. That's kind of what I Mm. shift that fear into love, which I know sounds really cheesy, but it's kind of like me looking at that fear-based thought. And then I say, wow, I care about this project so much, or I care about you know, what's going on, the situation so much, and I have so much love for it that my inner critic is afraid I will lose it, or I'm afraid it's going to be taken away from me. And that's not something for me to be ashamed of, in my opinion. That's something for me to be proud of. I care so much. Um, So then I can let the fear go and just focus on, you know, my passion. And um, that really works for me. Yeah, we're slightly different there, because I I take it out of my head to make the, the issue smaller. You almost take it out of your head and blow up the issue and make it more about love and connecting to the project more. I, I'm probably working the opposite way in terms of taking it out of my head and brain dumping it because I need to move on. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good approach or a bad approach, but that's probably the, the, the best approach I've taken right now uh, in the immediate situation to, to move my project forward. Um, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to look at it. Um, but yeah, I just think it's just a different perspective on, on, on the issue there. 
But yeah, I think some of the, um, what are some of the key things that you tell your clients when tackling sort of some of these challenges with the inner critic? Because we've sort of spoken about our, our ways to tackle it, but what, what are some of the methods that you come across in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so funny that you say, you say that because, um, that's great insight. I do that. And I actually work that way with my clients as far as kind of blowing up the issue. So for a lot of my clients that are coming in and wanting to be coached, um, there's always this level of inner critic that comes up. Sometimes it shows up early on in our sessions. Sometimes it shows up, you know, even after a month or two months or three months of working with someone, but it will come up. And usually it's sooner than that. But, um, a lot of my clients have actually never thought of that voice as an inner critic. They fluff it off as just like, oh, I just feel negative today. And they just see it as this emotion that comes and goes of negativity. But when we actually look at our, our inner critic and kind of those negative thoughts as, you know, maybe some of my clients would put it, usually they show up in a pattern. So for me, the first step that I kind of go over with my clients when this inner critic is coming up is just knowing what it sounds like. Are there similar um, phrases that are being said? Are there certain situations where this inner critic shows up? And for some people, they realize that their inner critic shows up right before they decide to procrastinate when they know they need to do something, but they are afraid to do it or feel nervous about it. And so their inner critic shows up and then they leave that project and they say, nope, I'm going to save this for later. So for some people, it's procrastination. For other people, kind of like what you were saying, Sarah, it shows up as a kind of a tool for perfectionism. So it's making sure that you're very prepared, that no mistakes will be made, you know, Mm -hmm. and putting this added pressure on. So that's definitely step one is just hearing how your inner critic shows up for you and being able to recognize when and how it shows up as a pattern. And then step two would be to actually challenge those thoughts. So once you recognize the pattern of your inner critic, um, like for me, it's kind of that like sabotaging my happiness thing, which is so cruel. But yeah, it sounds I, awful. Yeah, it's it's so so annoying and frustrating. It was so hard for me to kind of identify um, identify that inner critic, but then see that it's just a pattern, and that I have the power to break that. Not that it's easy, but yeah. once you develop a habit of things are going well, and then that inner critic chimes in and says, "Well, is it really going well?" I can look at that and then challenging it, which is the second step is saying, yes, it is. Or, you know, like, yeah, you know what, inner critic, this situation isn't perfect and that's okay. That's one of my favorite phrases ever is after your inner critic shows up, adding whatever the thought is, you know, I feel unprepared and that's okay. I might mess up and that's okay. Other people might see that I'm not perfect and that's okay. It's just a really easy way to kind of take the pressure off of what if, what if, what if, kind of all those questions. Um, so yeah, so I, I think, think a big part is just answering it back. Yes. You know, giving it a platform, It yes, allow it to talk to you, but just be prepared to answer it back. You know, as growing up as a kid, you almost, you're afraid to answer things back. And maybe you're a little bit afraid to answer your own brain back, but it's okay to answer it back. It's okay to have answers. It's okay to question. It's okay to, to sort of give it a rationale and to either give it credence and give it an answer or say, you know what, not now, not today. I'm not allowing you to, to overshadow my, my plans. 
Right. Absolutely. And with all those questions too, sometimes there's not an answer. And just like you said, it's okay for the answer to be, I don't know. You know, like yeah. you're, you're brain dumping these questions and you're stuck on a question and you just think you need the answer. It's okay to be like, you know what? I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know how I'm going to figure that out, but that's okay. And mm. the answer will come with time. Yeah. I think ev- everything happens with time though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So personally, I think we're both quite similar. We, we take it out of our brain. We write it down. Um, you blow it up. I shove it to a corner, but make my desk completely messy. <laughs> Um, and come up with sort of either whether or not it's going to be a constructive comment or it's going to be an unconstructive comment to derail me. Um, I think some some of our viewers may be, be interested in knowing wh- what's sort of been the success rate with some of your clients in terms of being a credit. Because what what's clear is they're not going away. They're here to stay. Um, and this could be somebody, I don't know, let's take an example. So somebody who has worked for the last 20 years has sort of been in the same job and is now thinking because of the pandemic they want to change their lifestyle completely and their inner critic is in their head and it's saying you won't succeed let's stick to what we know um, and let's just keep that going what would we say to that person who's having those sort of thoughts yeah that's a great question um well I think the key is that it's, it's, are you, are you ready? Are you ready to, um, kind of confront your inner critic? And some people aren't, you know, some people it's too, you know, it feels too much for them, which is why we have coaches, right? Or if you, Mm -hmm. if coaching isn't right for you, maybe it's a therapist or even a friend, um, but kind of taking these thoughts out of your head that, are weighing on you or that are continually coming up over and over again and just speaking them out loud, it shows that you have power over those thoughts. And instead of it just living in your head and it continue to grow and grow and grow and you continue focusing on these thoughts and you get frustrated that they're not going away, even just speaking about them or for me, you know, or for you, you know, we write them down. But for other people that maybe don't like writing, that's when coming to a coach um, is a really, really great option because you have someone that wants to, you know, keep you, um, safe and help you, you know, strive towards being your best self in whatever way, like, however that means your best self to you. Like, I don't know what people's best self is. I trust that they know what their best self is. And so I want to help them get there. But, you know, as far as the success rate with my clients for people that are ready and truly want to be happier or to make a life change or find more success or balance or um, joy, the success rate, quite honestly, is 10 out of 10, 100%. I haven't had a single client that wants to do this work that once they start doing it, it doesn't actually provide results for them. I've seen it provide results for all of my clients, and that is because um, they're willing to do the work. And that doesn't mean that it's easy. Like this internal work is, you know, difficult and it just takes persistence. It's a habit. And that's why it's so important to have support and encouragement along the way. Um, like I said, whether it's a coach or friends or your therapist or whoever you reach out to having that support to say, you can do this, you know, it's, um, we're, it's something that we all go through is trying to yeah, recognize I these patterns so. and then change it. So 
Um, it's one of my favorite ways to work with people because it's so transformative. Once you can identify that inner critic and then know how to speak back to it and transform um, that kind of fear into um, positivity and just, I don't know, like a, making it a more productive kind thought, it is just really transformational and it's so beautiful to witness. I feel so, so honored to um, have a job where I get to watch people lean into that into their power and into their joy. It's just, it's amazing. I really love what I do. That's so beautiful. I think it's also about remembering that we're just, you're not alone in this. So all of us have an inner critic, whether they sound like mine, whether it's a, a little perfectionist, whether it sounds like Lindsay's, who's um, looking to spoil her joy, um, whatever. Everybody will have an inner critic, maybe even more than one, um, that, that appears to them and you're not alone everybody has one um, at least one it, it might sound like yourself but it's not you talking it's, it's sort of coming from a place that's not rational at all it's just it's it's popping up as Lindsay said to protect you um, but I think that's probably coming from a little bit of our prehistoric days which is a bit more about fight or flight yes. um, so I think that you know we're not in that environment anymore and although over time we've changed from that our, our bodies and our minds probably still are in tune and in touch very much with our primitive selves and so it manifests and over time it changes to see those fears that aren't aren't great fears where you're running for your life or you're you're <laughs> running to get, catch food um those fears of oh I might those fears might be I'm scared to go outside right now because of what happens with the coronavirus. Obviously, we're not right. medical professionals, so we're not telling you to go outside or don't go outside. I'm not Boris Johnson, um, <laughs> but or, or Donald Trump, um, but those but, but those fears are rational as such um, because nobody knows what's happening, and our inner critic might want to take over in the, in those situations. They might want to tell you what to do, but you know it's fine to ask the questions and it's fine to ask your inner critic questions back. Um, it's completely natural. And as Lindsay mentioned, turn to whoever you need to, whether that be friends, family. Um, for me, when I switch off from work, I like to brain dump on my family and give them a little bit of my problems. Um, I'm not asking them to, to absorb my, my stresses, but it, it just allows me to, to speak about my issues. And once I've spoken about it and I've heard it out loud, it, it, it changes for me a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for me, I definitely found that, um, you know, I, I have been in therapy for two years. I absolutely love it. I also hired a coach um, on my own accord, and I love working with a coach too. For me, especially during the pandemic, I, um, you know, am not near my family. I live in a different state than they do. I live, you know, a thousand miles away from them. Um, and so I don't have them to come home to. So for me, and I think for other people that have quarantined alone during this pandemic, or maybe just with a roommate or a partner, it can be a lot to keep going to the same person all the time um, with your thoughts. And so I think that that's where self-care becomes so important, which has really been a pillar for me during this time. But also, you know, if you don't have 
those friends or family immediately near you or they can't provide that space for you for whatever reason. Um, you know, that's why there are professionals in the field that are trained in how to help people and encourage people and um, help shift their perspective, which is so beautiful as well. So I think it's a really great time for people that have been thinking about maybe hiring someone or feeling so alone to really lean into the fact that um, there are people specifically trained for this, which is fantastic. But I love what you said, Sarah, about connecting with your family too. And I just think that's so important, you know, um, even if it's not um, your friends and family. I think a lot of people too are really leaning towards online communities right now, whether it be yeah. Facebook groups or um you know, different hashtags on Instagram that have popped up since the pandemic, which is also so encouraging. It's just yeah. even we've learned state... to, to rely on them almost, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like even in the state of the world, we're still creating communities and seeking out communities. And that's such a beautiful thing. That's, yeah, that's true. And also, you've obviously got your Ophme London family as well. So if there's anybody that wants to reach out to us, any of the coaches or any of the ambassadors, we are here and happy to help um it's it's a community-based project in terms of what we offer in terms of coaching and we're available well because we're global we're available all the time really um (laughs) which is which is beautiful um and rare but um yeah so thank you so much Lindsay. i've really enjoyed talking to you today on this topic um i don't know if you've got anything else to add um you know what? I don't think so. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Sarah, for having me on the podcast. And um, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm really looking forward to the next one. Welcome anytime. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, have any questions or comments or simply want to stay tuned to our podcast channel, you can stay connected through our website, which is www.opamaylondon.com or through our social media channels at London. So take care, Lindsay, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. You too, Sarah. Thank you.